Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast, powered by Kasoon Carr. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined, finally, by my co-host and other face of the Legally Speaking Podcast album cover, for all those of you who were wondering, Deanum Gabri. Deanum heads up our dispute resolution and white collar crime desk, our in-house DPO and lead ambassador for our affiliation with the Society of Asian Lawyers, where this year we are fortunate enough to have co-sponsored the amazing 25th Annual Asian Legal Awards ceremony, celebrating 100 years of women in law. Deanum and I are delighted to be joined by Sonia Jande, a senior legal counsel at Aviva Investors, a co-chair of Aviva Origins, a mentor a recent diversity champion, award winner for in-house, Society of Asian Lawyers committee member and Asian Legal Awards lead. Wow, that was a mouthful. Thanks, Rob. It's an absolute pleasure to finally be on and co-hosting the Legally Speaking podcast. I can't believe you waited this long to finally have me on our podcast. Rob, as you've mentioned, I've been working closely with the Society of Asian Lawyers and partnered closely with them for the past few years. I've known Sonia for some time now. We met a couple of years ago at an event hosted by Squire Pattern Box on behalf of the Society of Asian Lawyers. Sonia, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, many congratulations once again for winning the Diversity Champion in-house award at the Diversity Legal Awards in London. You must be delighted to have won. Hello, Ben. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, I am really excited that I won. Still shocked though and getting over it. Yeah, super congratulations. Really, really impressive. Um, before we go into our topic today where we're talking about in-house versus private practice, um, we do have a customary question we do like to ask on the podcast um, to all the true legal professionals. <laughs> on the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, how real do you rate the TV series Suits? Oh, I'd say about nine Okay, and why do you give it a nine? Because of the late nights, you'll never go home when you're in private practice. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair point, that's a fair point. So Sonia, have you always wanted to be a lawyer? I have, yes. Ever since I was small, um, I knew that's what I was going to go into, and so it was really easy for me going through school and college. Do you want to tell us a bit about your journey? Obviously, you've been super successful. You've sort of risen up the ranks through your journey on private practice, but sort of taking people back, you might be listening more at the early starts of their careers. Right. Do you want to sort of just talk us through a little bit about your journey and, and sort of how it sort of arrived to where you're impressively already a senior legal counsel at Aviva? Um, I think I have to take it back to when I started uh, the legal sort of secretarial course. So a lot of people won't know that I actually started work as a secretary secretary, a legal secretary. Um, and then... Were you as good as Donna? And then I did the ILEX course. So I studied and worked at the same time. Then I became a paralegal in uh, a litigation team, a civil litigation and property litigation team. Um, and then I qualified as a legal executive, did the LPC, then qualified as a solicitor. So I kind of started at the bottom and worked my way up. But I got good experience that way. So I didn't have to do a training contract. I didn't have to send off millions of application forms and um, wait and kind of patiently, um, nervously. But I would literally just worked and studied at the same time. And I think that's a fascinating case study because everyone worries, am I going to get a training contract? Is that the only way? And so it's great to actually you know, have somebody on that's gone through that journey that it is still possible. Don't give up hope. And actually, if you work hard, you get into the right places, yeah. it can still happen for you, right? Absolutely. 
No, it is for sure. How did you find the move from private practice um, into in-house? I think that for me, it was a fun move. It was a good move. Let's just say that I'm glad I was... I qualified in private practice and then moved in-house. Mm. I knew I wanted to go in-house at some point in my career. Um, it just so happened it was quite early on. I had a really good training as a basis for my uh, career, I think, in private practice. So when I moved in-house, I knew sort of certain processes, um, the way that I would do things sort of in a particular way helped me. Whereas if I'd just gone straight into in-house and qualified there, it probably would have been a little bit more difficult for me. Yeah, and that was a question I was going to ask, actually. What yeah. do you think you took away from your private practice experience, in particular for those mm. people who might be thinking about a move in-house or back the other way into private practice? What what skills do you think and experience that you really kind of learned from in uh, private practice helps you in, in-house now? Training. Yeah. Absolutely, without a doubt, 100% is your training that you get, even as a newly qualified in private practice, you can't beat that. Um, time recording, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're strict um, with yourself on time recording, we still time record in-house, not per, uh, just so they can see how much we're doing, but also as an in-house team, we're comparable to our panel firms. So it's always good to keep an eye on how much we're doing compared to them. Um, in your opinion, what do you think makes a great lawyer? I guess from a private practice and in-house perspective, having mm. seen both, what would yeah. you say are some of the key traits that would be, yeah, make someone stand out in your opinion? Someone that is willing to get stuck in, in-house, I think, because each day can be really different. A really good sound training so you know when things come your way, you're able to kind of just get on with them. Um, but also the ability to speak up if you don't know something, that stands people apart from people that would just do uh, a transaction or get on with stuff. But if they're not sure of the right way to do it and they won't ask, that doesn't make you a good lawyer. And I guess for people who are not so familiar with what sort of the in-house role uh, presents, you know, you're obviously a senior legal counsel at the moment. Do you want to sort of just give us a flavour of what that looks like from a, a sort of day-to-day -day perspective at sort of, you know, a big brand and, and sort of what, yeah. what challenges that presents? So I work with the asset managers and part of my role, I am the lead for ESG. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is managing risk in terms of our reporting, environmental reporting, which could be CRC, it could be the ESOS reporting we've just completed. It's also making sure that we are lined up, we're doing things properly in time. Um, it's also the transactional work that I would be doing in terms of landlord and tenant. Um, so that's kind of my day role. And then on top of that, I've got the other little bits I say that's a very interesting point and as yeah. I know I know yourself and Dean have known each other for some time yeah. and I've had the great pleasure of getting to know you over time we've worked with Society of Asian Lawyers and you know you put on some amazing events we're yeah. very fortunate to be involved in the most recent one this year which is a landmark event right mm -hmm. um, so I guess for people listening in it's like how do you fit it all in <laughs> um, do you want to sort of tell us a bit about your involvement with SAO that's Society of Asian Lawyers people listening in and yeah. sort of how that works and how you fit that all in um, I literally don't sleep <laughs> so anyone that knows me that knows I go to bed really late because 
I kind of uh, prioritize stuff. So obviously it's the business as usual stuff. Then um, it will be the origins. Then it will be Sal um, and then my mentoring and things like that. I do it because I really enjoy it. So I think you don't mind then putting in the hard work. Um, Sal is really enjoyable. I've done it for a couple of years now. Yeah. And what's the, what's, what, what does Sal aim to achieve for those people maybe quite new to Sal or thinking yeah. about getting involved with the society? What, yes. what sort of, what are you try, trying to promote? It's promoting other lawyers and the progression, mentoring. It's really good to see everything that you've done with Sal, you know, all your support, all your hard work. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally amazed with what you guys that. have actually managed to achieve. And I think <laughs> fantastic. The, the level of, even since we've been involved in very recent times, I think the level of engagement, the quality of the events, you're just doing more and more. I think you've had some real keynote speakers at a lot of the events. We have. And it's been a real powerful message that you guys are trying to send down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, how does it work in a working, is that something you get involved in on a weekly basis? Is it a monthly thing? Because you're on the committee, right? I am, yes, yeah. So at the beginning of the year, we each decide um, certain sort of committee members take responsibility for certain events throughout the year so that you know you're not you've got something coming up say in June you'll be preparing around sort of March to May time getting kind of venue speakers uh promoting it um things like that so it's not an everyday role um if you're involved with the mentoring um which I worked on last year then you'll get queries generally coming through regularly um, which we split because we've got barristers on the committee as well. A lot of the queries are if I want to go in and um, either do a training contract, then the lawyers can pick that up. If it's someone to do with pupillages, then one of the barristers can pick it up. So we just share the workload, which is really good. It works well. Yeah, no, that's that, that's great. I think Dina and I absolutely love no, the, the last event. How many of you are actually on the committee then? Normally around 12, depending on workload. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And if people are thinking of wanting to join Sal, how can they go about doing that? So we have um, forms. Actually, it's coming up quite soon. We have forms on our website, on the Sal website, which you just need to complete and then send off. And then we have an AGM uh, coming up at, later on this month where candidates will just stand up, say a little bit about yourself, how you can help Sal, and then we'll have vote votes. Yeah. And Dina mentioned at the top that, you know, congratulations, recent award winner. Oh, gosh, the Dino- yes, UK yes. Dino- many congratulations. Uh, I have to you. confess, Sonia was saying off air that she didn't expect it. I'm sure she didn't, but Dina and I were quietly confident. Tough yes, competition, but thoroughly sure. deserved. So, uh, yeah, do you want to tell us a bit about your diversity uh, work and perhaps how it led to, to winning that award? Okay, so I think um, I'm really, really passionate about the mentoring and the diversity bit because when I started out in my career I didn't have help or assistance from others um, that looked like me or sounded like me or had my background Um, that was really hard and I don't want anyone else coming into the profession to feel like that we've got six communities one of which is origins one which celebrates cultural differences so we had elections um, and then people stood for co-chair role which I got last year so with that came a lot of uh, work that I could do within Aviva to push forward diversity. So I'm involved with the Multicultural Professional Forum at the House of Lords. Uh, wow. We've held, uh, for the first time this year, it, within Aviva, we held uh, certain events and uh, I'd say yeah, events for Ramadan. We produced little prayer timetables, which we gave out to all our staff that would like them. Um, but we also did some outreach. So to promote Aviva 
and origins uh, as a prospective employer, which people don't, a lot of people don't associate Aviva and Insurer with kind of blame employment. We did some outreach at local mosques and handed out the prayer timetables there, which went around really well as well. So little things like that. It's our second year where we have introduced an internship program under social mobility uh, charities. And then this year we've just opened a prayer room. So we've done a lot of stuff under the Origins brand, which went towards the whole diversity champion. So there we have it. That's why it was rightly and richly deserved the award. <laughs> that, that, um, that is not just me. It's not just you. It's a team effort, but you know, well, well, well done. Very yeah. well deserved. And you, I don't know how you managed to fit it all in. I think Dina was going to sort of ask you that. Yeah. Um, so what challenges did you actually face, you know, day to day moving from central London to Norwich? Because I know that's where you're based at the moment. I'm based in Norwich. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of meetings are in our London office. So it's traveling kind of once a week, possibly. Do you enjoy that? I do, um, because when people know that I'm here, they're like, okay, you're in the office. Can you just come and sit down with this person or meet this person? So that's really useful. But again, the traveling is really tiring. <laughs> but you have lovely offices. <laughs> I do, yeah. that. And you don't sleep. So I don't sleep. I'm a classic exactly. eight hours guy. So, oh, gosh, you know, no. if I don't get eight hours, everyone just hates me in the office because I'm just I average, You're really shocked, but I average two or three hours a wow. night. Dina, I, you I think I probably do maybe four or five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's two nights sleep for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so all the people in private practice thinking, I thought you moved in house and you do yeah. that. So it just means you can take on more, right? Right? It does. It does. Yeah. I just I like to keep busy. I like to keep busy. Um, I a lot of people don't know, but I wasn't very well a few years back. So when I came back and came back into work full time, I really wanted to just throw myself in it and kind of in a way it was I'm better than my illness, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what started it off. And now I'm here. It's just kind of it's just gone from there. Okay. And we talked a little bit about your mentoring and volunteering work. I think there's too much to mention in this podcast, <laughs> but one that I was, you know, we talked about, I was talking about the Women of the Future program, um, your involvement with that. Imba- you, yes, yeah. Ambassador, yes. Do you want to sort of tell, tell us a bit more about that? And again, people, how they can probably hear a bit more about that? Yes. So that was one uh, initiative that Aviva involved in. Once a year, we go to an annual ambassador's reception uh, around sort of autumn, early summertime, where we have students, around 150 students from different schools. A lot of professional uh, lawyers come in. doesn't have to necessarily be a lawyer, but it's all professions where we'll have kind of like a, a small careers workshop and a networking session. So I did one a couple of weeks ago where we had people in from school, from sixth form, from college, people doing A-levels, people about to go to university. So it's a broad range where they're not quite sure what they want to do in their career. So they just want advice. Um, How do I get into the legal profession? What courses should I be looking at in university? Which area of law is really good for me? That kind of thing. How did you get into it? So it's conversations that you would have with probably just younger members of your family, really, um, but just on a bigger scale. And, you know, networking is a theme that we've had throughout our podcast series. And I know that's something you do a hell of a lot as well. Yes. Do you want to sort of share your tips or how you go about your networking in the legal profession as a sort of, you know, senior legal counsel? Um, So... In-house, we're quite lucky we don't have to go out and find clients because I have one client, which is really easy. But networking is really important, I think, in terms of your own professional development or if you ever want to move on 
kind of just keep in contact. There is a life after law. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I just started it, I think, for uh, Asian women lawyers is where I started before I even got onto Sal, going to events at the Law Society, uh, meeting other lawyers in my in my role and in-house, I don't mix with any other companies out of work. So it was kind of just a note to myself that I need to get out there and do it really. And that's where it started. Is that something that you really enjoy? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes not. Yeah. (laughs) It's just tiring, I think, when you've got a lot on and you think, actually, I need to go to that event. But that's one of the reasons why I joined Sal as well, just to meet more people. Yeah. Yeah. And as we said at the top, I mean, you've worked with some super impressive firms as well. You're with Herbert Smith. I did. uh, Three years now, of course. Qualified there. Qualified there. Yeah. um, (laughs) Indeed. You know, what do you most, what did you most enjoy about your time in private practice? Again, maybe people thinking about sort of, thinking about moving back to in-house, from in-house private practice or people going through their journey. What did you most enjoy? The work. Okay. The work was really good. The training was fab. The team was brilliant. Um, I think the camaraderie you get in private practice as well. So you're all working on transactions, similar hours. End of the evening, you'll go downstairs. Like Herb, Herbie's, we're quite lucky we had restaurants on site. So you'd go down for dinner, have a snack, come back up, finish your work. Uh, the typing support is really good. <laughs> <laughs> IT support is really good because you don't get a lot of that in-house sometimes. Yeah. Um, but sort of sort of little things like that, really. Yeah. Can you see yourself maybe ever going back into private practice? I don't know. I'd consider it if the opportunity came along. I always say never say no. Always say yes. Um, if I make a mistake, I'll learn from it. If I don't make a mistake and I do well, then yeah, that's really great. Just move on. Yeah, no, well said. Well yeah. said. And if you're, I can't believe how much I said is your introduction to do all that already. So I don't know when we next have you on, if I'm going to be able to fit it all in, but we've been asking everyone their sort of plans and vision for 2020. No doubt you've got loads of exciting plans, but what are you sort of, what have you got geared up for the new year that you're passionate about or want to sort of tell people about? Um, I was going to say sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's more fair. than two or three hours. I'm catch up on some sleep. Um, I don't know. I just you know I haven't thought about it. I think I've just got to the point at the moment where this year, the last few months, I've been a panel speaker for Interlaw, which is something I never thought I'd do. I never thought I'd do the podcast, and I never thought I'd win an award. So for me, I'm just kind of reflecting in that and how I got here before even thinking what. Is going coming in 2020. Yeah. yeah. So, Sonia, I know, um, I think when we last met um, at your offices in Aviva, you guys were planning the, the uh, Diwali celebrations. You had a lot, there was a lot going on. Oh, there. yes. Do you want to maybe kind of give us some information on, you know, what, what was happening there? So, um, for Diwali, we've had a couple of years, we've had really small celebrations, which are getting bigger and bigger, a bit like our awards. Yeah, <laughs> I can vouch for that. Um, so, yeah, so the day, I think the day you came to our offices, we just had our St. Helens event. So, it was um, one of the biggest ones, actually. We had a lot of dancers in, um, we had a lot of staff getting up and having dancing lessons. We had um, Indian sweets and samosas being handed out all throughout the building, and um, it's just to raise an awareness of what Diwali means to people, to, to staff members. And I suppose the reason that we do a lot of events and celebrate a lot of festivals, as Aviva, we need to be reflective of our customers, but we also need to be reflective of our staff. So it's just to raise an awareness and an educational piece to other people that maybe won't have that 
um, when they leave the office or learn about it or have any input in sort of celebrations like that well I think it's great I think it was great what you've done um, I think I just missed it yeah <laughs> literally, I think about half an hour but no it looked amazing yes yeah so there's always things in the diary that's really interesting just looping back to when you made the comment about IT um, yes. <laughs> in private practice versus in-house because we, we did a, a recording the other week around legal tech yes. um, and how that's creeping in do you want to talk about your experiences with legal tech versus you know being in private practice versus being in-house and whether you're a pro-tech or whether you're anti-tech I'm absolutely pro-tech I suppose the support you get on the IT front in ha- in private practice because a lot of the bigger firms I know Herbie said we have 24 hour typing support we have 24 hour IT so if something goes wrong you can pick up the phone at any time of day or night um, we do get the 24 hour IT support with Aviva but you, you're phoning a line you can't actually go to somebody and see somebody downstairs like where we would have the IT guys um, so that's sometimes quite difficult if you're working on a really big transaction in terms of other support we are in-house often you are restricted by budget and costs so something might be really nice that other firms have got and we're working against or with other panel firms but you might necess- not necessarily have it just because of the cost restraints and we don't have uh, secretarial support either. So you do your own typing in-house. Okay. Do you miss that from private practice? Um, a little bit, but I type really fast. <laughs> <laughs> you type when you sleep for those two hours, right? <laughs> Three, actually. Three, yeah. yeah. Someone's listening. Yeah. Um, okay, and we get asked a lot of common questions from uh, newly qualified lawyers. And because you've seen it from both sides in-house, but with private practice, you know, do you think... Uh, upon qualifying people should be considering an in-house career or do you think people would benefit from getting more private practice experience going in or is it just case-by-case basis? I think um, it's always better just staying in private practice for a little while and before moving in-house purely because you're going to get really good exposure to different things. Um, You'll be confident in them. Uh, You'll become an expert in particular areas before you move in-house. In-house, the breadth of work is so broad that it's going to be difficult to kind of familiarize yourself with one particular area. You don't have that time. You're literally going to be, once you're in-house, that's it. Everything's going to come your way. So it's just being confident in what you know before you move. And and we always suggest, you know, it'd be great if people would even get some secondment experience first to sort of, you know, it's almost a try before you buy, isn't it? Yes. So again, is that something you would advocate for people maybe if they're at the sort of naught to, I don't know, three PQE, try before you buy, if you can try and get a secondment to see what it's all about. Yeah. I think you've seen a lot of that. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Get a secondment, um, if you like, the, the firm, the team, then just do it. Yeah. And I think when you're much younger as well as an associate, I think it's always good to kind of, you know, have the kind of buzz in private practice first yes. before, you know, you do decide to move in-house. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think are some of the challenges for people who are in private practice trying to get into in-house? What do people need to be thinking about um, as potential challenges? Yeah, I think one of them is the fact that when you're in-house, you are working with the client and so any advice that you give you're advising your client and they're going to take that on board on to a particular kind of if they ask you a question you need to give a response but in private practice you can stand on the fence a little bit sit on the fence so you'll give them the options 
and they make the decision. But when you're in-house, you kind of have to, you can lead a decision and the client picks that on board. Yeah. So it's it's completely different to being in private practice. It's really good. You get to know your client really well. You know what they'll accept, what they won't accept, how far you can put push them. But at the end of the day, you're going to help them make that decision rather than just giving them advice. And then they go away and think about it. If you could change any part of your current role, what would it be? Money. <laughs> <laughs> we love honesty. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> I'll get shot for that. <laughs> In jest. No, um, I don't. I don't think there's anything. You know, I always thought when great I moved, recovery. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, when I moved in house, I always thought when when I started my career, I've been in places two or three years, two years, two or three years. It's the kind of done thing. When you're in London, you'll move, you'll get experience, um, and then you'll move somewhere else, and you'll get a bit more experience, and you further your career that way. When I moved in house, I actually thought that I would be there two to five years tops, and it's coming on fifteen, and that's saying something. The work um, is brilliant. The client is just amazing. And the people that I have on other side of transactions are partners. So it tells you the quality of the work that we do in our team. What would you say you enjoy the most at Viva? Our client's really good. That makes a really big difference. You get on with them. And I'm just quite intrigued because we get lots of people who are so transfixed on London. Yeah. But actually, you know, you're working for a, a major organization outside of London. And for people that think, oh, I've got to stay in London. I've got to be in no. London. It's where the heart... Yes, there is undoubtedly good quality way of work in London. But there's still yeah. great opportunities elsewhere in the UK, right? There and is. I think, yeah. you know, you've seen that out in, in Norwich. And the quality and what you're getting involved in is, is, is equally, if not on par, with what you were doing in London, right? Yes. Absolutely. I think if you've got the right job and you're getting the exposure to the right piece of work, then move, even if it's going to be temporary. You, you don't have to do anything forever. Um, get your experience um, and then move on. Norwich is only a two-hour train journey away, so it's not like up the other end of the world either. But you drive down, don't you? I, dr- I drive, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I love my driving. <laughs> so yes, yeah, I drive and, or get the train. And as I said, we, we personally, Dean and I think you're, you're superwoman. But in terms of, you know, <laughs> nothing to do with your legal sort of pursuits and extracurricular, yes. what do you do for downtime? What keeps, you know, Sonia? Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you don't sleep. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Netflix and listening to music, I think. Yeah. So that helps me relax. So I'm, I'm watching White Collar at the moment. Has anyone, anyone seen White Collar? No. I think I've seen a episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get into that a little bit. So what, good. what are you watching on Netflix? I've just started watching Travellers actually yeah. a little bit sci-fi yeah yeah yes. good? yeah it's good yeah yes. I'm only on my third episode though so I'm going to save it for the journey back <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly I think from our side that's kind of very insightful in terms of giving it people a really sure. good steer is there any sort of passing or lasting comments you'd like to say about sort of in-house versus private practice or people listening in because considering one over the other mm. is there anything you would say as a sort of final comment to those people I think if you are thinking of a move in-house then speak to as many in-house lawyers as you can and get an idea of what they do because each team is different yeah I think yeah. that's really no. sort of sage no, advice no, yeah so the more you do that the more you get some insight before you make that decision.
Great stuff. Well, can I just say, Dean, I'm, I'm delighted to finally have you on the podcast with me today. It's been an absolute and pleasure. Sonia, congratulations <laughs> once again. I think it's going to be a hell of a year to trump 2019 <laughs> for you. Uh, <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on everything you've achieved. Thanks Thank so much. You. I think our listeners were really grateful for that. And uh, yeah, I guess we should uh, wish you all the best for, for 2020. Thank you ever so much. Thank you for joining, Sonia. Thank you. We're taking a break after this week for the holiday season, so I want to wish you all a great festive period and a happy new year in advance. Um, we've obviously got lots of new guests lined up for 2020, so stay tuned. Merry Christmas from Kissing Bar.